2: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'Em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The Horn. Tuesday on The Horn, Hook'Em Up with Ian Rod B, Ty Henderson as well. Coming up, bottom of the hour, Rod, Jerry Hamilton will join us. Oh, nice. Talk to the G-Man, latest on the Longhorns, and his thoughts on that Longhorn basketball game last night that didn't end the Longhorns' way. But, uh, boy, he played the third or fourth-ranked team in the country into overtime and had your opportunities, which shows some positives. But man, no moral victories. You're now one and three at home in Big 12 play, three and five overall. And uh, safe to say, with every loss, your tournament chances in March are fading. Hmm. Uh, they got to find some wins, but they they have some issues. let will talk to Jer- Jerry because uh, we talked to him about basketball all the way through here. They try to build this roster um, and build this chemistry with Rodney Terry. Also, Jerry will weigh in on the uh, the football. In the next Wednesday, Rod. Tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, is the second window of high school recruiting. I know
3: nobody even talks about it anymore. And I think it's the long ones are
2: wrapped up. I know. I think with uh, I think they're done too. with they're Bo Davis on. leaving, they were still in on a couple of high school D-line. defensive linemen. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, with well, Bo gone. Davis leaving. Yeah. <laughs> How How
3: you gonna recruit? Well, I guess now you got you got a new D line coach. But I'm with you at this point. The momentum has probably feels like it's dissipated. <laughs> put,
2: and look, 18 of your high school class are already here. Yeah. Uh, the other
3: I think the hay's in the barn on that one. I think they'll probably try to address interior D-line, More next transfer spring portal. portal. Spring yep. portal, yeah.
2: So. so keep an eye on that. But we'll talk to Jerry what he's hearing. Um, you know, what what is left, what, what hay is not in the barn will be the <laughs> question for Jerry and uh, some other conversations. It was good to hear from G. Also, you'll have a rant here coming up, Rod. And uh, we had Bullisher BS in the uh, 7 o'clock hour, Rod, and to wrap it up. And I wanted to ask you guys this and, and get Ty involved too. Uh, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator of the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Is that – not a big deal if you're a Cowboys fan, or is that concerning if you're a Cowboys fan? Kind of the bullish or BS thing. Are you concerned, or are you like, oh, it's not so bad? I'm happy. <laughs> you're happy about it with Kellen Moore? I don't
0: think his offense fits Jalen Hurts whatsoever. Making time throws and and, and such, I, I I don't think it's going to work very well.
2: Now, a good coordinator, Rod, would adjust his scheme to what the talent he yeah, has we'll available.
0: When, when, when is, I mean, when, it's not like Dak's not athletic and can't run, but when is Kellen Moore ever dealt with a you know, run-first quarterback, which I had considered consider Jalen Hurts.
3: Well, I just hadn't dealt with any other quarterbacks, really, other than Justin Herbert and Dak. and yeah. <laughs> that's it, <laughs> um, right? Well, so I just haven't seen it, but, I, yeah, it's like – It feels thing weird. On, it feels weird. I actually, Fangio
2: on defense concerns me as I'm a Cowboys fan.
3: Yeah, because he's had some success versus Dak, and Vic Fangio's a really good defensive coordinator.
2: Historically good, Yes. Right? Uh, over time, a long proven track record. Kellen Moore's still only 35 years old. Uh,
3: yeah, no, I agree with Ty. It, it doesn't seem compatible. It doesn't seem like his offense is compatible with what the Eagles want to do, um, but Howard Roseman's a good good GM, and I can't see him just making a haphazard hire like that without a plan. So I'm assuming that Kellen Moore is going to shift his philosophy a little bit more towards what the Eagles were doing. But I will say this. The Eagles' offense was antiquated in a lot of ways. It, it was not an offense built with solutions. Uh, especially for the blitz and pressure packages, they did not offer uh, Jalen Hurts. And you would think this is this is pretty uh, you know rudimentary, but they did not offer him just simple blitz like simple hot reads versus the blitz. Uh, just a simple kind of uh, blitz solutions with quicker routes so the ball can come, get out of his hands. Uh, the ability to kind of change the protections up front when you know the 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 blitz or the pressure packages coming. They really were a very remedial offense in that way kellen moore will bring in better uh, solutions overall so they can deal with pressure and i think he'll up the amount of pre-snap motion guys they're one of the lowest teams uh, lowest rates of pre-snap motion in the league you would think they shouldn't be considering all the skill talent they have but they don't they're pretty static offense he's gonna have a whole lot more movement in there and they'll have a lot more up tempo they'll he'll add a lot more pace because the eagles for a while, they stopped using "hurry up" and up tempo. Um, for a while too, they, a lot of the built-in cheat codes and advantages they just didn't use them.
2: Yeah, well, and Pre-stamp motion, and we know that they—they're you call them the cheat codes because they—they work, right? I mean, they, they work. well, they give your 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 quarterback a clear picture of whether they're in man or zone, right? You know if if, if someone's yeah. following your your motion man, you know it's almost certainly man, mm. uh, which really helps. And you get guys in move, you know, moving at the snap, uh, which helps. And yeah, they yeah. didn't do any of that. It was very it was static static is a good word for it well look i mean you know vic fangio who they hired to coach the defense he left miami after one year he had of course been the head coach of the denver broncos and really but it, defenses especially you know where you know who made vic fangio a made man on the defensive side was jim harbaugh you know when jim yes, harbaugh he was right he was with he, jim harbaugh hired him at stanford mm-hmm. and then he followed jim harbaugh to the 49ers. 49ers yeah and that's really where the fangio system began that's a great point and um you know, then he went to the Bears with some of their best defenses with, you know, Khalil Mack and those guys. Right about that. And then Broncos is a head coach, and he found out pretty quickly he wasn't a very good head coach as far as fourth-quarter game management and things of that nature. Yeah. But he can coach defense. So, you know, it is interesting that I think of, you know, that was when, when, when Jim Harbaugh got to the 49ers. He had Alex Smith, who was somewhat of a running quarterback, but then it became Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. and that was Vic Fangio calling the defense. I don't know what the plan is with Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is, is a, you know, he's a he's a runner, but a, he, he, his legs were a huge part of them getting to the Super Bowl last year. Still, still need to be. And that's what I don't wonder. Last year, we I think we've all wondered aloud was was Jalen Hurts more injured than we knew, and maybe it limited his ability to run. The way he did in the year previous but and then that exposed his throws and then the offense was stale and static we'll see because i still think based on what i saw last year jalen hurts is a really good quarterback i mean you don't you don't do what he did last year um take your team all the way to super bowl and and you know except for the ridiculous patrick mahomes where the eagles built a 24 to 14 lead in the super bowl and he played great and made some elite level throws in that game you just, you just ran into Mahomes, which, how many quarterbacks can now say, I just ran exactly. into Mahomes? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and, a great point. And he beat him 38 35. I still think that Jalen, I know Ty is less on this with, with Jalen because um, there will be some that say that the league figured him out. I still saw enough that you know, he's going to continue to work, and he's still going to be a good player in this league and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC. But it's up to uh, Kellen Moore now to find that
3: uh, yeah, and, it, it and could, develop that. And it's interesting, yeah, because like I said, I agree with Ty. It's not compatible, but it could be that Kellen Moore is going to the Eagles to run Nick Sirianni's offense. Remember, Nick Sirianni was the, initially the play caller there when he got there, and then he took a back seat as, as a play caller um, and allowed uh, was it Shane Steichen. Um, to be the play caller there, and that's when he went to the Super Bowl. And I'm, I, don't know if, I don't think Nick Sierra is going to go back to call the play. He's going to be just the head coach, but remember, he has his offense. So maybe Killen Moore is coming in to do, I always call him doing cover versions of somebody else's songs. It, it, when you come in as offensive coordinator, either you're going to run your system or you're going to run the coach's system. And, like, when you go to Sean McVay to be his office coordinator, you ain't running your system. You're running that Sean McVay's system there with the, you know, that's he's the coordinator there. He's the one who's calling the place. So I just wonder if Kelly Moore is going there to run Nick Sirianni's system and maybe he's not running his own system. And maybe he's just going to add a few elements, kind of add his own spin. Like you do a cover version of a song, you do it your way. Right, you still do the song, but you do it your own way. You add your own personality to it. You add your own creativity to it. And I think that's what Kelly Moore might be doing. And that would make sense because essentially they are constructing this coaching staff to be anti-Dak, right? They want to beat Dak Prescott. They know Dak Prescott is taking this game to the next level. Nobody knows Dak Prescott better than Kelly Moore. Nobody in the NFL knows Dak Prescott better than You're Kelly right Moore. I repeat. Nobody. I'm telling you guys, nobody. He's, they were best friends at one point. They were teammates at one point, competing in the same quarterback room. Then he was his quarterback coach. Then he was his offensive coordinator and his play caller. Nobody knows Dak better than Kelly Moore. So if you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you're thinking, all right, who we got to beat in this division? We got to beat the Cowboys. All right, what's the key to the Cowboys? Well, it's Dak. All right, let's bring in somebody that knows Dak. He knows everything about Dak. He knows every little tendency, every little strength, weakness of Dak Prescott. And he can help us formulate a defensive game plan that could be more effective versus Dak. That could also be part of the think tank. Harry Roseman's next level, so he ain't no fool. Harry Roseman, he's got, he got a plan. It may not make sense to us, and <laughs> it may not work either. But well, Harry Roseman got that's a plan. Why, I think the plan is, you know, what? how much can, information can we gather on Dak Prescott? And Vic Fangio's defenses have worked decently well against Dak Prescott too.
2: Sure they have. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, are there still Cowboy fans? And I'll just ask the question. Are there still Cowboy fans who believe Dak Prescott can take that next step to the elite? I don't. I think he is what he is. I think he's Alex Smith, um, but same time. He's at Kirk Cousins, too. Kirk Cousins. One of them. Uh, Kirk Cousins about to get paid in free agency, by hey, the way. Dad
3: got to get paid, too. I know.
2: <laughs> but, it, are, but are we still all holding out hope that there's a next level for him? I, I think eight years yes. in, I would say – I don't. I think it's his ceiling is where he's at. But either way, like like Lamar Jackson, I still do think there's a chance he could break through at some point if he's not playing Patrick Holmes. But I, you know, I felt like the game plan they in, installed on Sunday was ridiculously bad. Uh, and Todd Monken called a terrible game. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't play great. But when you're a team that runs the ball almost half the time during the regular season and you run it 28% of the time in the playoff game against one of the best secondaries in pro football, I don't think that's very smart. But uh, So I'm not taking Lamar Jackson off the hook. I'm just saying I still think they're at 27 years old. They're still oh, yeah. the next I level. What Dak. He is. I don't see that he for that. I don't see that for Dak. He is. And
3: you know what? I, I wonder. I think he's a,
2: he's a really, really good player.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, actually, for the most part. I will go devil's advocate here and say that we have seen recently some quarterbacks take a very circuitous route to get to a higher level of achievement right, Baker Mayfields, your, uh, you know, Jared Goff, <laughs> right, look at him, Geno Smith. So usually I do. I do think there are random exceptions. Now, by the way, those guys, I'm not saying that they are better than Dak or those guys are elite. But they at one, po- at one point we thought we knew who they were and what they were. And they've evolved a little bit. And because of a new system, uh, a fresh perspective, a new place, new setting, new scene, all that kind of stuff, you know, those guys have been able to break through to another level that we didn't think they had in them. The hope is that with Dak now, you ain't going to go to a new place. You know, you got the same play calling coordinator. But you did that when you got Mac McCarthy calling the plays for him, right? You got him to be a second-team all-pro quarterback in his – what year are we in for Dak? We're, eighth, we're going to eighth yeah, year he or whatever might be runner-up for the
2: MVP. So, so
3: he did go to a level, but he didn't do it in the playoffs when it counts. So I, I, the hope is that with a little bit more change and tweak that you will get Dak there. But for the most part, I'm going devil's advocate. But I agree with you. I agree with you that Dak is what he is. And I'll just say this about Cowboys fans because I, I know how the Ty feels about Kellen Moore. And I know how Cowboys, Cowboys fans feel about Dak Prescott. But I've always said this, guys. Y'all had to pick one. You can't say both of them sucked when they had a top-five offense. I always say that. They got a top-five offense, and y'all keep talking about Kellen Moore sucks and Dak sucks. Both of them can't suck with a top-five offense. You got to pick one. Yeah. You can't say both of them are terrible. And think about this. Kellen Moore's time with the Cowboys, and I went back and looked at this, in his time in Dallas, points per game. First, 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 and sixth. Yards per game. Fifth, first, first, and first. Uh, situation neutral pace. They were second, first, first, and fourth. No huddle uh, rate. They were first, second, first, and sixth. These are the little elements that he's going to add to what I call the cover version of Sirianni's offense. They're going to be more no huddle. there will be more uh, up-tempo. He'll probably have more uh, pre-snap motion. As a matter of fact, I went and looked at the rates, guys. Eagles, 32nd in motion rate in the NFL. Thirty, their last, their last in, in, in motion rate in the NFL, their last in snap at motion. Right well, I in think the that NFL.
2: that's why there was a general frustration yeah. in Philadelphia this year that
3: uh, like, they had doing? grown
2: stale and they weren't doing anything to change it. And maybe Jalen wasn't as healthy as he's been, and the defense fell apart too. Let's not forget that. Uh, they they wanted to be done when that yeah. season was over. When you lose to the Giants in week 17, lose to the Cardinals in week 16, and lose like they did to Tampa, that team was over. They've got it. They, but I'll give the, the Eagles credit. They unlike you know the Cowboys, they're not gonna settle. They're they're fixing, trying to fix everything. Will it work? Howie Roseman is not gonna sit still though. Yeah,
3: but he'll fire Sirianni. We're not running it, it back. <laughs> he'll, he'll fire Sirianni if it doesn't work. That's, that's right. He's not afraid to do that. that yeah. That's Jerry. That's afraid to do that. Sirianni be like Sirianni's not afraid to admit I made a mistake. Move on,
2: next one. Well, that's because Jerry doesn't want the outside opinions. He wants to run it his way, and that's what he gets to do, which is also, as long as he's there in that role and Dak's there, I'm not worried about walking to Dallas. Dak's not the quarterback to take them to the Super Bowl. That's my opinion. Jalen Hurts has taken his team to the Super Bowl, so I know he can do it. Uh, And that's what Kellen Moore's task is. We now know Brock Purdy can take his team to a Super Bowl. And anybody that calls Brock Purdy a game manager didn't watch these last two games. He carried his team to the playoffs uh, on two occasions uh, where his team didn't play a great game. Uh, so Purdy has now entered that conversation.
3: Yeah, and I, I know it's, it's so annoying because people always say it, but the game manager thing. And I, quarterbacks almost take it as a, a quarterback slur. <laughs> that, oh man, I'm a game manager. It's only, to me, it's only insulting if you're a game manager and either that is all that you are as a game manager, or if you're still just a game manager and that it, and you are in your say DAC, you're in your eighth season as a starter, and you're still just that. But every quarterback has to be a game manager. It's part of your quarterback cycle of circle of life. If you, you got to start as one you, gotta, you start as a game you, you manager. Then you you work can handle a team, right? Yeah, you start as a game manager. That's your first accomplishment as a quarterback in terms of your maturity, and then you work your way to being a kind of a season. A uh, signal caller, and the signal caller is different because that means you're calling some of your own plays. You're calling some of your own plays. You're making some checks and arms at the line of scrimmage. It's more of your offense. That's when you become a signal caller. That's that's, that's being more than a game manager, right? You're taking some of the onus in the offense in your hands, and then after that, that's when you. Be, then if you're a signal caller, then some team will consider you, man. Maybe they're a franchise quarterback. All right. Then you get to franchise quarterbacks as well. You're the face of the team. Now we give the guys the franchise quarterback thing way too early. You become a franchise quarterback way before you even prove you're a game manager, way before you prove that you're an actual signal caller because that's just the way the new era works in the NFL with the salary cap. But to me, those are the stages. And then you get to the point where you're 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 a playoff. You're a playoff quarterback, right? You can get to the playoffs. And then you get to the point where you can win the playoffs. We just talked about it. Winning in the playoffs ain't easy. Guys, Baker Mayfield has as many wins in the playoffs as Dak Prescott. It ain't easy out there. It's tough. So you get to the point where you can get to the playoffs, then you get to the point where you can win in the playoffs. So there's a different type of quarterback, or at least a different type of quarterback play, to winning in the playoffs as opposed to getting there. we are seeing it right now. Dak can get there. Can you win when you get there? There's a difference.
2: Which we now know Brock Purdy can. And yes. Can rise into that And then he can be a
3: championship quarterback, which is the last level. To uh, get to a right. quarterback. So it's a circle. And then, by the way, at the end of that, guys, you're going to circle all the way back around. And what was Peyton Manning at the end of his career when he won his last Super Bowl? Game manager. Circle of life, baby. You come all the way back around to what you initially were. Because <laughs> your skills deteriorate.
2: Unless you're John Elway and you just walk out on top. And you he walk is, out on top. So see you. <laughs> but when your
3: skills deteriorate, what do you need to be able to do? Manage the game That's right. <laughs> with no. Peyton Manning he had no skill at all. You've been watching him in that last year. He really he could barely, barely throw those moved. outs. He barely could move. He's just managing the game. Boom, 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 boom. Come That's on. Right. Man.
2: So, all right, good stuff. Jerry Hamilton, bottom of the hour, talking Texas hoops in this uh, Longhorn roster and uh, where they stand now. Real quick, let's get to uh, Rod's second rant of this Tuesday morning.
3: Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click appleleasing.com and experience how easy it is. As hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore.
1: Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You
3: ain't
0: keeping it. Around. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butt.
3: Uh, I have been get texts about how people hate Kellen Moore so much. <laughs> I'll say this. Before the Chargers lost Mike Williams, their downfield threat, that was like three weeks left in the season, keep in mind they were like top five in yards per play and in points per game, and they fell off a cliff at the end of the season because they had all the injuries, and then you know Justin Herbert didn't play and that kind of stuff. So, uh, But anyway, getting back to it.
2: I think the Chargers had much bigger issues than Kellen Moore, and that was the most undercoached football team in pro football under Brandon Staley. Uh, you know, we talk about Cowboys and their flaws. I mean, that Brandon Staley was so far in over his head. He really was. Yeah.
3: yeah. And they they should have they known that before. He that's hard have, to overcome. They shouldn't have brought him back for this year. They should have started that. But you know what? They did the right thing because they got hardball. So they yeah. probably waited. And
2: now they a significant upgrade. And maybe that's
3: why they brought him back. In the end. Maybe they, you know maybe I mean, behind the scenes, maybe they do. Because like you said, Harbaugh didn't go to a lot of other places. No, he, and wanted, and he, he wanted to go to Chargers. He wanted to go to Chargers. See, like the Chargers wanted him.
2: Yeah, so. Well, they made him take hey, – let me go win a championship with Michigan and then I'm, I'll come. Then I'll be there. <laughs> I'll yeah, be yeah, there.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Give this guy standing another shot. He's like, what if, he's, what if he wins? He's like, well, I ain't worried about that. <laughs> I ain't worried about that. Uh, okay, speaking of, because I saw that the Atlanta Falcons have finalized their coaching staff. They got Zach Robinson to be the offensive coordinator. Told you guys Raheem Morris was going to go to that Mac Shanahan coaching tree. Anybody who's been a defensive coordinator with the, the Shanahans at any point, they usually end up going to their coaching tree once they get a head coaching job as their offensive coordinator, and boom, that's what you see Raheem Morris with Zach Robinson. Used to be the Oklahoma State quarterback back in the day. That's how it makes you feel old. Uh, the defensive coordinator is Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Lake, actually. Defensive coordinator for them, which is interesting because there's a PK time.
2: <laughs> and Jimmy Lake was at Washington right? with Pete Wieckowski. Yeah, that was his. And then he took over for for uh, Chris Peterson when he stepped down.
3: Yeah, they, and I, yeah, they were they were co-DCs together, and he was the one that basically kind of uh, used to call the the back end, the back seven, the the coverages, um, and align the coverages with the front for PK. Uh, but Jimmy Lake also getting a defensive coordinator job with the Atlanta Falcons, and it got me to think because I brought up this stat. Uh, probably last week sometime, and I just we were just rushing, talking about some things, and I randomly brought this stat about coordinators in the NFL and how often uh, there's coordinator turnover in the NFL, and it's a shocking number. So now with uh, basically the coaching carousel, uh, pretty close to being done and complete. Still got a little bit. Still got two more openings. Still got Washington. Still got Seattle, and a lot of people believe that's going to come down to Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, and Dan Quinn, actually like Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald for the Seattle job. And I haven't heard anybody else really for the, the Washington job other than Ben Johnson. But that has not been finalized, so I wonder what would be taking so long there. But anyway, I will, so I'm in, keeping track of coordinator turnover in the NFL. I'll give you a number that is going to blow your mind. How about this? In the last two years, so the last two seasons, 2023 and 2022, 84% of your offensive and defensive coordinators have been changed in the NFL. Every offensive coordinator in the NFL, every team has changed offensive coordinators in the NFL in the last two years. Every team. Every team's done at least once. Think about that. That is... And It is different variables, right? It's some guys just being promoted, which is great. They're getting head coaching jobs if you're an offensive coordinator. Some guys are just getting fired because I think there's a lot of uh, owners and head coaches who are envious of some of these really nice offenses. (laughs) They're like, hey, I want an offense like that, and our offense sucks. I'm firing this guy. Uh, I think the the McShanahan coaching tree is also affecting it because a lot of guys want those coaches in and their coaches out. Um, I mean, it's and I just think the NFL is less patient, right? NFL coaching tenures are shorter than they've ever been, therefore, coordinator uh, tenures are shorter than they've ever been because the pressure is on the coaches. He's feeling pressure, he's like, Well, I gotta produce, I'm changing court. First thing you do when you're on the hot seat as a coach is change the coordinator. So, more hay coaches on the hot seat, more coordinator turnover. But that is, I'll tell you, this it is is mind-blowing. Every offensive coordinator in the last two years has turned over um, and changed. And, and if you look at the defensive side, you're at 22 out of 32 yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. That's, that's, your, that's the new NFL.
2: Well, we just, a saw the, a turnover. we just saw the Green Bay Packers, you know, win the, beat the Cowboys on the road, then go almost beat the Niners, and they fired Joe Barry, the yeah. defensive coordinator. And I can, I,
3: can see, I can see the Niners firing Wilkes. I, I can see them winning a Super Bowl or losing it and still firing it. Yeah, I don't
2: think they're super happy because he replaced yeah. D'Amico Ryan, who so replaced Robert Sala, right? and he's not to that level. Uh, I can see them making a
3: move too, man.
2: It's good stuff. Uh, we'll so, follow it. It's uh, you know.
3: crazy. It's just wild. I mean, I don't well, think it's a well, bad thing. It's just a trend that I noticed.
2: What was it, Jerry Glanville, who said, who glossed it, uh, the NFL, it's the not-for-long league. It is a not-for-long.
3: Not f- <laughs> I've been in that not-for-long league, and I, I didn't say long. Players and coaches, no <laughs> Players, advantage. Players and coaches.
2: Which is why it's uh, ballsy of Jim Harbaugh to come back, because he could have been in Michigan for the rest of his life if he wanted to. Oh,
3: st- job he, stability. Oh, oh. man. You're talking, yeah, you're right about that. No problem. Job his alma mater,
2: winning a championship. Yep, made no, man. But if he gets to L.A. and it doesn't go well, by three, year three, he'll be on the hot seat, but too. But
3: they're such competitors. Them hardballs are. They just built they, don't, they don't think about that. They don't no, think about I mean, that. No. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> All right, we'll come back. When we do, Jerry Hamilton. We'll talk about this Texas basketball team. They seem to be kind of just this close, but at the same time, kind of this far away. So we'll talk to Jerry, diagnose the problem. Also, a little football with G-Man. Always good. Also, some uh, who said that before the end Who's of the that hour. It's him Up with Ian Rodby Aaron Hogan. Rod
1: Babers, hook them up. 101.9 AM 1260, The Horn.
2: All right, we roll on, and uh, we're going to hit some Who Said That for the top of the hour, Rod? Who said that? A fabulous fifth hour on tap, but we're going to talk to Jerry Hamilton here coming up, the senior recruiting analyst on 3Sports. He is an expert in football and basketball. Jerry
3: Hamilton discovered Rod Babers, man.
2: Discovered wow, RB back in the first day. First one to rank
3: me on any of those recruiting lists or something. DB
2: like that. high, he said. Man, that guy's really fast.
3: That's
2: it. He, he was there to see what Jerome Sapp, your Seeing teammate.
3: Sapp. He was there to see a lot of guys. I think we were working out like North Shore, if I'm not mistaken. And North Shore was loaded at the time, and it had, uh, you know, that's where Joe Walker was from at the time. They went to Texas. They had, uh, man, Cedric Colmira was on there. They had a guy that went to, end up going to LSU. I mean, they had like seven, eight. D one prospects, they were just loaded, and I, so we just go there to get pickup games. Yeah, we used to go there because we needed somebody. We, they have seven on seven leagues back then, so we didn't go find football, and we found out North Shore was out there practicing. That's where all the best players were. Like, all right, taking my cleats, taking my ball, let's go. That's what we used to do. We used to go look for games, man.
2: Yeah, well, and, uh, and Jerry
3: was the same way. Jerry was out there grinding as a, a young, you know, kind of recruiting Nick, and as a recruiting expert, and he was out there on scene.
2: For you, you, two, you two together, and I love when we do stuff on, uh, on, uh, on our other stuff that we do sometimes, but a mm-hmm. uh, couple of football junkies, man, you two. Oh, you two man. football oh, junkies. Yeah. Jerry, of course, father was a football coach in high school and yeah. uh, just can't get enough of it. It's
3: in his it. DNA. It's in his blood.
2: Well, let's bring him on from yeah. the, uh, the Vaqueros hotline. He is our man, Jerry Hamilton. Jerry, how are you, man? Football junkie, basketball junkie, too, and one time a golf junkie as well.
3: You ready?
1: Showtime.
0: Yeah, 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 golf junkie, my favorite, uh, but obviously I'm not a, uh, I'm not that playing anymore, I just don't have time, but uh, no, nah, man, it's a, everything's good, man, I just, you know, you kind of wish Texas had played a little more physical, matched the physicality of Houston last night, um, I think that was kind of uh, the difference in that game.
2: Yeah, and I, we, I, we kind of foreshadowed that with our preview of the game yesterday, and you know, it was, it was uh, Chris Patola, the ESPN analyst, during the BYU game who kept uh, making the comment that Texas is soft at the rim, soft at the rim. Uh, and they were, right? They weren't contesting shots, as, but uh, BYU was dribble-driving over and over again and shooting 64%. And, you know, if you're going to be soft at the rim and in the paint, uh, Jerry, you're not beating Houston. Uh, the fact that they got it to overtime and made it as close as it was was pretty impressive that they played one of their better second halves and better halves of the year. But you've got to be physical, and you can't get pounded on the glass like that.
0: No, no, you can't. And, and, and that's the, that's the thing is if you're a finesse team, you can't, you can't be good at being a finesse team. You have to be great at it, right? I mean, that's the thing. You have to maximize every offensive possession. You have to get great looks. You have to get great shots. Uh, you have to play on the move. Uh, so if, you, if you're not going to be that rugged team, you have to maximize the other way. And this team showed some signs, but you know, they got a tough stretch coming up now. I mean, that. Those back-to-back losses, I mean, you're at TCU Saturday, right? And then you have a game coming up at Houston. You have Iowa State at home. So, I mean, there's no nights off in the Big 12. uh, But now they got three out of the next four. I mean, West Virginia's at home during that four-game stretch. But three of the next four are very difficult games, with two of them being on the road against tournament teams.
3: Hey, Jerry, what are your what do you think the reasons are why you can't get a full kind of 40-minute game from Texas basketball? Is it uh, rotations? It, are we just talking about, um, you know, just the team being distracted? Are we talking about a hole in the roster? Like what is the reason that they seem to either start slow or they'll have the lull late? They can't seem to put a complete game together.
0: Yeah, we, we kind of hit on it a, a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Um is you know they have to defensively it's interesting because defensively you have to kind of cover smaller guards I mean you start a 5'11 and 6 foot and a half guard together right so you have to cover those guys so they tried to go with the big lineup right to cover those guys defensively but then they lost their floor spacing uh when you do that because Dylan Mitchell's not a wing and Brock Cunningham's not a wing so they were very easy to defend, especially with a three-point line, 21-9. So they have some, uh, to answer your question, first part, there's a little bit of a roster issue there with you have to be good enough defensively, and that's kind of what Spatola was hitting on. I mean, you know, if you have smaller guards, you got to be really good protecting the rim. That's the, I mean, that's the way you're going to have to do that defensively. So they have some holes in their roster trying to work through. The interesting thing is they've got big guards coming in next year. I mean, Cam Scott and Trey Johnson are six-five, six-six guys and athletic guys at the guard position, Um, they're going to have to bring in, I I think, a a really good point guard out of the portal next year uh, to facilitate that. Uh, But they've got the size coming in next year on the perimeter. Um, They've got more size coming into the program, but this year that's a bit of an issue. If you have small guards, you got to be great protecting the rim, and they don't have that right combination.
2: It's interesting because we talked earlier, somebody mentioned, you know, Ron Holland would have been a big, big piece to this team if they were, had not gone to the G League. And, you know, that's always the challenge now in trying to build a roster is, you know, how, how, how far do you dip into the high school ranks and then how much is it going to be portal. And I think Rodney and his staff were, were stung by that with uh, both of their commitments last year, uh, playing in the G League and taking that money.
0: Yeah, I think that, I think so. I mean, look, Ron Holland, to be clear, Ron Holland would not have helped your rim protection. He's, and he has fallen in the NBA mock drafts because he's six six and a quarter, and he's a wing player. But it would have given you a a, a more of a natural wing player, I would say. Is his skills developing? Uh, A.J. Johnson was a six five point guard, right? I mean, that size would have been so that that perimeter size. I think uh, losing both those guys hurt them, even though they had been freshmen defensively due to length, but it wouldn't have helped your rim protection necessarily but when it, it would have enabled you to play faster so i think they're they're working through some some issues this year it'll be interesting to see they had a big time official visitor on campus now 611 kid out of uh cameroon that's been an nba africa uh, um um uh, who's a projected future first round guy he's a 611 guy who can who's a rim protector can also shoot the basketball out to the nba3 so uh they had a big time guy on campus uh They're going to need to hit on a couple of those guys uh, on the interior uh, because they have some bigger guards coming.
3: Hey, Jerry, I want to ask you about uh, recruiting. I know nobody talks about uh, the National Signing Day. It's the second National Signing Day, what used to be the (laughs) actual one. Um, Is there any news to even be uh, for Longhorns to be informed of with regards to what used to be the original signing day and now the second one?
0: Not, not right now. I mean, look. I think it's more portal focused. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian's staff—they were on the road yesterday. Were, were they seeing any? Have they seen anybody less than 2024? It Doesn't seem like it. They were out seeing Amari Winston, the, uh, the four-star tight end out of Calhoun, Georgia. Then they made their way to Melbourne, Florida, to see the four-star defensive tackle Brandon Brown. Both juniors committed to Texas. Brandon Brown, I think, could be a great player, guys. I mean, he is—he's got a lot of. I don't want to say he's going to be as good. He's got some Tommy Harris athletic ability at that D-tackle position. So, Rod's going to be very familiar with what I'm saying there. Um, and Aaron, you as well. Uh, but, so, Sark's been out. They've been out seeing top 20, 25 guys. Uh, that's where they've been on the road. Um, so, I think they're really focused now. If a couple of those Michigan defensive tackles wanted to jump in the portal, I mean, hey, I mean, Texas be all over that, right? I mean, with the strength coach leaving Michigan, it looks like he can go into the Chargers with Harbaugh. I, and, and see what happens with the rest of that defensive staff at Michigan. I think Texas is portal focused now and in the spring, just really trying to hit on a couple of those positions, defensive line uh, being the main one. They already got Safaya out of Arizona. If they could hit on one more really good defensive line, I think they'd feel good about where they're at headed into next season and into this spring. No question about that, Jerry
2: Hamilton. Always the best with uh, recruiting, and yeah, it's weird. That's amazing. Uh, first, got in. We were all in this at the beginning. That February first Wednesday of February was like Christmas. It was. It was we circle it on your calendar, man. And now it's yes. like an afterthought. It's not till next Wednesday, the seventh. But uh, it's almost. Is there any national conversation? Are there are there anything going on of big unsigned players that are going to make a decision on that day, uh, Jerry?
0: Yeah, the biggest one was Ryan Williams, the five-star who Texas has tried to get in on an official visit. He was committed to Alabama. He's out of Sarah Land, teammate of K.J. Lacey, which, by the way, I want to tell Texas fans, Steve Sarkeesian will be at Sarah Land High, probably is right now with A.J. Milwee to see K.J. Lacey, the 2025 quarterback, commit. But to answer your question, Ryan Williams was really the big name in the high school uh, uh, ranks right now. The five-star receiver out of Sarah Land High, who reclassified the 2024 so he becomes a February signee, and then will enroll in June. He recommitted to Alabama. He backed off that commitment before the Under Armour All-America game after Nick Saban, after he retired. Uh, But then he made two trips to Alabama. One was an unofficial. Then he made an official visit January 20th weekend. He was scheduled to be at Texas on the 27th, and Auburn on the 3rd of February this weekend where his father played. But he shut it down and recommitted to Alabama. That was the big one, and that gave – uh, uh, that at Alabama, Kalen DeBoer and that staff, a really, really big-time commitment that they needed because, man, they were leaking oil, as you'd expect, when Nick Saban retires. But that was really the big news right now nationally. Uh, and like you said, Aaron, I mean, look, the junior days get more exposure right now than the, than the February signing period. I mean, that's just the reality of where we're at in this process.
3: Hey, Jerry, uh, it's obviously this is a little late, but I haven't heard your thoughts on it, I, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about it. The new defensive line coach hired for Texas, uh, Kenny Baker, some Longhorn fans were, I'm going to say, underwhelmed. They just were a little surprised that was not one of the names that had been mentioned, uh, obviously not a big kind of marquee name. What are your thoughts about uh, Kenny Baker being the new D-line coach at Texas?
0: I'm glad you brought it up. I I. There's a couple of guys I really trust that train, instruct a lot of NFL guys getting ready for the draft and coach, the, you know, Vaughn Miller, Pass Rush Academy, and, some, and, and train Jadavion Clowney to boast of some of these guys in the offseason. One of those guys told me, phenomenal hire. He knows Kenny Baker. He's worked with him when he was coming up. Um, he thinks Texas made a phenomenal hire higher defensive line coach and this guy's opinion has always been spot on whether it's on coaches or whether it's on players so we have to see how it plays out but he said kenny baker comes from the old pete jenkins right tree or from that teaching in the run game but he said what makes him a phenomenal hire he's a great pass rush coach he said he can coach run but he's also tremendous coaching pass rush and he says to his point, and I think he's correct, there's not a lot of guys that you put your stamp on that are really good at both. So it seems like, unless this guy's wrong for the first time since I've known, I, since I've known him in over a decade, he thinks Texas made a phenomenal hire from a coaching perspective in Kenny Baker. He thinks he can teach run game, and he can teach pass rush, and he thinks that's big time.
2: Wow. Interesting, as you guys were talking about that, the University of Texas has just announced officially the hiring of Kenny Baker. Oh, that's that was a show. Okay. <laughs> that came in at uh, 9.33. I didn't see that actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> email just came in from Thomas Step over at uh, the SID department. Nice. <laughs> it is official with Sark, uh, Kenny Baker. Foregone mm-hmm. conclusion, but now official. Uh, and great stuff from Jerry Hamilton on the hire itself. Hey, Jerry, a uh, couple things. Uh, first, because double back to basketball, now that we've seen Houston up close and you live in the Houston area, um, and now Texas has to go back to Houston. Is, is this a year that Kelvin Sampson's team can win a national championship? It looked like a team that could to me last night, watching them with their size and with uh, the backcourt they have now with Cryer and, and uh, Shed. of course. Is this a, a year where, where they may be able to cut down the nets when it's all said and done? And I want to ask you any thoughts on uh, Todd Dodge coming back to high school football oh, coaching, yeah. taking the job at Lucas yeah. Lovejoy. Give, give me a two-parter
0: on that. Yeah, my tough thing with Houston is I just the thing I've questioned with them, and I think Kelvin Sampson's a great coach, a Hall of Fame-level coach, but he has his style of play, right? The thing I've questioned with them is if you get into the game where you have to score 80 points against the UConn or somebody like that in a Final Four or National Championship game, can you do it? Because he's a great defensive coach, and I think he does a great job. But when talent's neutralized, It doesn't matter how good a defense you play. A really good team with offensive players on the other side is going to put up 70, 75 points on you. So the question with Houston always is, can, if they get the game against, let's say it's UConn, them and UConn in the Final Four, and UConn scores 78, can Houston score 79? To this point, I say no under Calvin Sampson, but we'll see if he proves me wrong. Um, I I think their issue is they're not a good free throw shooting team. So if you get in one of those games against the UConn and they're going to put 75-76 on you, are you going to make enough free throws and enough threes at the other end to be able to score enough to beat them? And that game's got to be in the high 70s or around that 80-point number. Um, And to this point, Kelvin's teams have not been able to do that. We'll see if they can. I mean, you remember the year that they got blown out by Baylor. They just couldn't keep up with a good offensive team that also could grind a little bit defensively. That's going to be the key there for Houston is can they score over 75 in one of those games to get that national Tyler, get to that national championship game to this point, they have not. Um, So we'll see on that. And then uh, Todd Dodge, Look, it's great for high school football. I guess Riley Dodge is like, man, I can't get away from my damn dad, man. Why does he keep coming back, right? I mean, he beats him at, at Westlake in the state title, and now he's coming to DFW at Lovejoy. I mean, I know they – you know I mean? Come on, man. But, hey, Lovejoy is a great job, by the way. Do hmm. so you know Todd Dodge is only going to come back if it's a great job and he's got a chance to win a state championship? Lovejoy is a great job in the DFW area, and one of the better jobs in Texas right now. He wouldn't come back if he didn't think he was going to hoist another trophy, and that's all high school football fans need to know on that one. It's interesting,
2: yeah. He's already yeah. started his gig this week, Rod, and uh, UIL realignment coming up. I oh, think uh, on Thursday is when it gets announced, or uh, so. Yeah, a lot, a lot coming. He said he needed to get in there, in there, and yeah, uh, yeah. Todd's coming now. Now, Lovejoy's still five A, right, Lucas Lovejoy? Am I right about that, or do you think they'll go up here in this round?
0: Of- <laughs> I don't, you know, I haven't seen where the numbers, the number they turned in, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna whiff on that question, guys. I assume at the rate they were growing, they'd move to six A, but maybe not. They may be a couple of years away.
3: Yeah, yeah, the DFW arms race is just crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's oh. unbelievable.
0: Well, the Lovejoy, the
2: I mean, Lucas Lovejoy it, job, open because the head coach went to Stephen F. Austin to be a college offensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah. And so even, even the coaches are moving on to bigger and better things out of the DFW.
0: Yeah, they really are. And, you know, look, in, in Lovejoy, they've lost they lost some speed off that team. I mean, obviously, Parker so side with Texas. Mm-hmm. Jalen Lott, the stud, stud, 2026, moved over to Panther Creek um, in Frisco area uh, or Prosper area. So they lost a the big-time guy, but they have so much talent there. Um, you know, look, I'll say this about Todd Dodge. If he has a young quarterback over there, there's a good mm-hmm. chance he's going to play for a state title. That's how good he is and the type of staff yeah.
3: I put together. <laughs> Great
2: point. Yeah, that's usually the way it goes. He's a great developer of the quarterbacks, no doubt about that. And uh, he's Ty. So our producer Ty. That's his. That's his football coach. That's yeah, my
3: coach. No doubt. That's my coach. Uh,
2: <laughs> all right. Appreciate it, Jerry. Always good to hear you, man. Uh, hope to hear you more soon. And uh, looking forward to our next conversation.
3: Thanks, Jerry.
0: You, you got it, guys.
3: You have a good one.
2: All right, there you go. All the stuff you needed. Oh,
3: Jerry knows it all. Yeah, I I can hear his car, too. I think he was, like, in his car. He's always in his car. He's in his car, getting back to his car. Puts puts a lot of miles on the the vehicle. He he works hard. I mean, he's one of the hardest working human beings I've ever met in my life. On on three,
2: (laughs) speaking from someone who's pretty hardworking himself and Rod Babers right there. Uh, All right, we'll pick it up on the other side with a little who said that, Who said that? Also, uh, your thoughts on anything Jerry had to say about uh, recruiting, Texas basketball, and, of course, uh, Todd Dodge coming back. If you missed that over the weekend, he is back in the DFW I love, Lucas by the Lovejoy is north of uh, Lucas is north of Plano
3: I mean there's so many great coaches in that that area, that, that metro area is unbelievable well, that's the north facilities, of, they got the best facilities and the best coaches no wonder they got the best football Yeah, arms <laughs> race is a good way
2: to put it well I mean now we have, have families that move there to play high school football, like exactly. they're looking for, to be a part of it, yes. 100% it is a hotbed alright uh, we'll be back, who said that, also the fabulous fifth hour on tap, don't go anywhere hook them up with Ian Rodby.
3: Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B on the horn.
0: Ooh, been
2: saying that. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Time for Who Said That as we wrap up the uh, fourth of our five-hour conversation this morning. Who said that? Uh, we can't play it because it was profanity, Lace Barad, ah. but uh, Kanye West in a TMZ video Uh-oh. yesterday referred to himself as a grown-ass superhero.
3: Um, well, you could be a hero. How can you be a superhero unless you have superpowers? Is he saying he has superpowers?
2: I guess that's what he's saying. This all stems mm-hmm. from a, uh, a photog, a, a TMZ, you know, one of those boot beat reporters. Oh, yeah. Uh, with her phone asking him about his girlfriend, her fi- uh, wife now, yeah, wife, right? Bianca Sensori, who he has banned from social media.
3: Yeah, he, she's basically like a living art project for him. Like, she's like, right? She really is. Like, he, he dresses her up in these crazy outfits. Yes. Very and he and won't glad. let her. He
2: said, for her own yeah. good, he doesn't allow her on social media.
3: Exactly. For her own
2: good. <laughs> so, so, he was walking down the Hollywood Walk of Fame yesterday, oh, really? and he was approached by this uh, lady with a phone. He was wearing a full black mask over his face, Rod. Like, you couldn't see his face.
3: Couldn't see his face.
2: At all. I mean, like a full black stocking yeah. mask. Oh,
3: yeah. That's fashion to, to Kanye for some reason.
2: And know. she came up and asked him if you know, her, 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 his wife has free will. Yeah, exactly. And she went to be rating him.
3: That's why <laughs> he doesn't want on social media because he believes that people are going to uh, influence her.
2: Kanye's one of a kind. He's a real real life superhero. Uh, Grown ass superhero, Rod.
3: Yeah, I don't know about superhero. About that thing. I think he's got a new album coming out, though, too. I think he's been working on Grown ass albums. super weirdo. It's can like, I go with that? Yeah, I, just, I miss the old Kanye. Me, I too. What I do. Where'd he go? <laughs> I miss the old Kanye. It's like Michael Jackson at <laughs> <Exactly>. the end. <laughs> Where's the old Kanye? Yeah, this new Kanye. I miss Kanye. the old Michael Jackson. Yeah, this new Kanye. It's creepy. Don't like it at all. Uh, all right, who said that? Uh, Ty, I sent you a couple of these so you can dial up. Any of those, and we can play. Uh, who said that?
1: Get two 21
0: yard runs. Sick. What's, what's, your, what's your view of those? What kind of spark does that Do, do it more? more.
3: What are we doing? Just don't get, don't
0: get hit. Like, scramble, you know, maybe tuck the ball a little bit faster, but like, he, he scampers. I think that's the best way to describe it. He he's scampers. Like, you ever seen one of those little water dragons run across the water? <laughs> like, that's what I envision every time he's running with the football. And. I just thought of that, too. That was not preplanned. I'm pretty proud of myself for that.
2: <laughs> I love George Kittle. He
3: is so I weird. I love George you Kittle. You see what he wore to the game? He wore a, it's a t-shirt with his wife's uh, name on it and a picture of it. It's all these random uh, collage of pictures of his wife. And that was it. <laughs> That's what he
2: wore to I the love game. me some George Kittle, man. Is, That's funny. He is a Water dragon. Thing. Yeah, he just, uh, you know, Brock Purdy's legs were a huge part of that comeback. There's no uh, doubt about no that. Doubt. And he's, he's all for it. All right, who said this, Rod? I um, think you'll probably get this. We'll see.
3: There you go, high praise, uh, Coach Sampson. Yeah, talking about Kendall Weaver. That was very high praise. That uh, was really good, actually. Sounds um, like he's a guy that's that's
2: a guy that could play for me. <laughs> I love
3: that uh, little quote he had about some guys had to study to pass a blood test. <laughs> That was good. Man, you had to study to pass a blood test, man. I'm sure
2: his teammates and players uh, have heard that before. That
3: is money. I am stealing that. Thank you, Coach Samson. That is good. You have to study to pass a blood test. Uh, okay, Ty, I sent you a piece of sound, and it's actually a piece of sound. We can just – I'll just tell you uh, who it is. It's Jesse Hawley. Okay. But he said something controversial, and because we've been in championship weekend and been talking about, you know, obviously the Super Bowl, just kind of got lost in the shuffle. But it's a Dallas cowboys the topic, so I want to – give it to me. He goes off. He actually is very critical of Michael Parsons. This has been in the Cowboys community for a while. I've had some folks hit me up and say, hey, y'all gonna talk about this or not? Um, but I want you to hear the audio first before we get into it. So let's, let's play like, I don't know, Ty, maybe like 30, 40 seconds from this audio. And i can tell you when to cut it off, and we'll, we'll know when we got enough for it. But here's Jesse Holly talking about what he believes is uh, limiting Michael Parsons and his Cowboys team.
1: The gripe at Michael Parsons is Michael Parsons to me. Right. This is just Jesse Holly. Is probably the most selfish player on this football team.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: One of the reasons why Michael Parsons does not want to play linebacker. It's too much of a responsibility. Oh wow, mm-hmm. definitely more responsibility. Yeah. For sure. I got to study harder.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I got to now look at keys and formations, and all that. See when, I, well, see when Michael get lined up, yeah. and just go get the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I'm not calling them a dumb player. I'm right, not calling right, right. them dumb at all. True, true. There's no thinking in that. That's pure natural instincts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You saw in the game when Micah had to drop back in coverage. Yeah, fish out of water. He didn't know yeah. where to turn. He didn't know where to look. Right, and even when Micah plays off the ball, he ain't reading nothing. He's just going. Yeah, he's just going. And so linebacker requires you to be able to adjust, be able to. Ha- you got to really hone in and focus, Micah. And maybe it's just the youth in him. Yeah. Micah doesn't want to study. Mm. Micah doesn't want to focus in, and I truly believe Michael wants to be great for Micah. Yeah.
2: Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's a lot. But you know, I look. Remember last year he was here in Austin at the collective training, and he declared that he's a pass rusher, not a linebacker. He
3: got into that too. He talks about that later on too. Like that's one of his examples that he said like, he wants to be a pass rusher and not a. He pretty linebacker. much told
2: Dan Quinn that. And, and, Dan, and Dan, Dan Quinn, Quinn was
3: like, you, no, "No, no, no, you're not ball linebacker." You're, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like said, he he has sources, and he's closer to the Cowboys than obviously we are. He's privy to more things than we are. Uh, but that's supposed—it's called a guy selfish. Yeah. You can criticize him. And he wants to win for Micah. Yeah. That's well, a, like I said, I don't know. He knows something we don't know. That's why I think he's throwing it out there. Well, it's interesting. It's and there's interesting. A, there's a theory that Jerry Jones is what put this in Jesse Holly's ear. That Jerry Jones trying to drive down that price tag.
2: <laughs> well, I and mean, maybe he's trying to get a higher level out of, out of Michael, oh, Parsons
3: Michael Parsons, too. Michael Parsons. Because Michael Parsons, I would say. Because
2: if you're going to pay him as the highest paid defensive player, he better play like it. He
3: wasn't as impactful well, later well, on well, and in if the you, season.
2: Well, and if you get quotes or not quotes, or you're able to say he doesn't study, you better know that.
3: You better know that, man. That's not like you know him
2: personally. That's not like you know personally. Somebody gave him that. Yes.
3: First-hand account.
2: Because you don't go saying he doesn't study if you don't even got that from a coach. or Jesse to play the game. Yes.
3: You don't just say stuff like that unless you know.
2: Uh, but he's doing a podcast every Monday, but he's not studying. That's a problem. See, if,
3: if Jesse Holly's right. Oh, we can talk about I, it, I, But I,
2: It wouldn't surprise I, me at all if that came from deep inside the Cowboys organization. Sometimes you got to get the message out, but you, you can't yeah, no, be you. I,
3: exactly. It can't be you, but somebody's got to get it. I was like, Jesse, would you do it? Hell yeah, I'll do it.
2: All right, we'll come <laughs> back. Final hour. Your thoughts on that. Provocative. I like it. Uh, into our fabulous fifth hour. And hook em up with Ian Rodby.